0: You're listening to TIP.
1: On today's show, we interview Sam Leong, who is the founder and CEO of Otter.ai, a highly disruptive collaboration and productivity tool that has won many of the most prestigious awards in tech, given by companies such as Google, Fast Company, PC Mag, and more. We'll talk about how Otter works and how does it continually keep improving using artificial intelligence? What does the next few years look like for the use of data and how programs will get more and more accurate in time? And how a translation tool will revolutionize what we know about ourselves by the changes in our words and our speech patterns? And much more on today's episode. Enjoy.
0: You are listening to Silicon Valley by The Investor's Podcast, where your host, Sean Flynn, interviews famous entrepreneurs and business leaders in tech. Discover how money is made in Silicon Valley and where tech is going before it gets there.
1: Sam, thank you for taking the time today to be on our show.
0: Thank you, Sean, for having me here.
1: Now... Otter has amazed me. I was looking up your company online, and I saw it's won several awards from Fast Company for Best New App of 2018, PC Magazine, Best 100 Apps of 2018. There's a ton of awards that you guys keep winning.
0: Yeah, thank you for mentioning those awards. Actually, a week ago, today and Monday, Apple App Store featured us as App of the Day on the US market. I think that's One of the biggest awards you can get from Apple App Store. It's definitely uh, gaining a lot of momentum. The app itself is only one year old. Uh, We released the app, the beta version, in February 2018. Before that, we have been working on this for more than two years. So the company started in early 2016. We've been working really hard in the background, the AI technologies to do speech recognition with high accuracy. But all of this started, you know, a few years back. We saw the need to take meeting notes automatically, to capture conversations, which billions of people do every day, all the time. Average person may talk 800 million words in their lifetime. So talking is the major communication method people communicate with each other, right? So most of the conversations are actually lost in the air. So we see a huge need. That's why we started working on this.
1: Can you even go back further before Otter to your journey from mainland China to Silicon Valley? I was born in China, in Beijing. I grew up there.
0: I went to uh, Beijing University studying computer science. After graduation, I came to the United States. At first, I applied to Stanford, which is my dream school for graduate school, but they didn't think I was good enough. So I went to uh, University of Arizona in Tucson, which actually I really liked. I spent two years there studying computer science. Then after that, I went to Atlanta briefly, but then I started working as a summer intern in Silicon Graphics in Mountain View. As an intern, after the summer intern, they said, Sam, you did a good job. Do you want to stay? I said, yeah, sure. I'd love to stay. So that was 1994. Silicon Graphics was like the Google at that time, you know, a dream job for me. So that's why I stayed in Silicon Valley since then. So that was 25 years ago. You know, interestingly, later I joined Google. Well, a few years later, I finally got accepted by Stanford, pursuing my PhD there was focusing on distributed systems I was lucky to actually join the research group of this professor whose name is David Sheraton for people who are not familiar with him he is actually the professor who wrote the very first check of a hundred thousand dollars to Larry Page and Sergey to start Google that's the very first check Larry and Sergey as they were maybe 22 years old or well maybe 24 at that time to receive that much money. It's not you know, a big check for them today, but at that time, it's a big deal. And so David helped them build the initial Google strategy. And then a few years later, Google went IPO. And I was lucky to work with David, my thesis on large-scale distributed systems. Later on, I joined Google. I was the lead of Google Map location service, 2006 to 2010. We actually built the initial blue dot system people use on their mobile phone. There's a blue dot that shows your current location and they help you navigate. It was really fun. And Steve Jobs actually back in 2007 personally demonstrated that feature on the first iPhone to show your location and navigate. It's not a big, big deal today because everybody takes it for granted. But back in 2007, it was a huge deal. But always wanted to do a startup. Finally, I decided to quit Google in 2010. I started my first startup in Palo Alto. And the first year actually was really hard. I had no funding, no salary. I was working on Android coding myself and the backend coding. A friend of mine was helping me part-time, and he later became our co-founder. So that company went pretty well. After a few years, the company was successfully acquired by Alibaba. And I worked with Alibaba for a couple of years and then decided to quit again and pursue something even more crazy. That's the origin of Otter. Again, as I mentioned, you know, billions of people in the world, they talk every day for several hours to communicate. They talk in person, on the phone, in video conferences, but most of the conversations were actually lost, which is a big waste of time.
1: My first encounter with Otter was at an event where it was being used to transcribe the speaker on stage in real time for the audience. You'd mentioned just note taking, but walk me through how it's being used right now. Uh, initially, that wasn't the use case we planned to focus
0: on. You know, as I mentioned, I'm really fascinated by conversation in general. The people talk so much, they have to communicate. There's no easy way for them to track that. There's a lot of conversation that happens spontaneously. You don't necessarily schedule a meeting. You know, if you can run into somebody in the hallway or in a Starbucks, in a restaurant, you start talking. And all that information is very precious. We want to capture all of that as much as possible. It's a part of your memory, part of your life. Enthusiastic so users who found new use cases we didn't anticipate before. And one of them is actually uh, using it in a large event. The first major event we did was actually TechCrunch Disrupt in San Francisco, which is a very big event. With The TechCrunch people, while they're reporters and writers, some of them are already using Otter to help with transcribing their own interviews. They found it really useful. So later they said, "Wow, uh, this is so cool!" And why don't we use it for our conference? Which is actually really useful because, for several purposes, one is for accessibility. You know, there are people who are hard of hearing or they have some auditory processing difficulty. Presenting the speech in written form is very helpful for them. It's also useful for international audience whose native language is not english they may not be able to quickly understand spoken english but they can understand the written words better another big benefit they found is a search you can search for keywords like self-driving cars drawbox, privacy so you can quickly find who talk about privacy who talk about self-driving cars how many times they were mentioned, for example, Otter also showed the word cloud for each speech, so you can quickly get the gist of each speech quickly. So yeah, users found a lot of creative use cases out of Otter, many of them we didn't anticipate.
1: Tell us a little bit about how Otter works. So, I mean, my question is when I first started using Otter, I would have to highlight a few lines and then type my name. But now when I upload an audio file, it automatically knows who I am. Can you talk about what's going on in the back end of this? User interface
0: is, by design, very simple. We hope it's intuitive, although there's still a lot of room for us to improve. However, the AI technologies behind it is extremely sophisticated. English is highly, well, any language, it's very difficult to transcribe or do speech recognition because of the the way people talk is very different between people uh, in different rooms with different acoustic environments, different reverberation. So when you're talking in a car, in Starbucks, in a restaurant, it's just, huge amount of background noise. So we built this very sophisticated deep learning system that built the model, built the algorithm, and we use millions of hours of audio data to train the model so that it's able to handle all kinds of variations in terms of talking speed, the volume, reverberation, accents. For me, although I'm Living in Silicon Valley for 25 years, I still can't (laughs) fully correct my own accents. I'm still trying to improve that. But Otter is able to handle most of this correctly. It's not perfect. Nobody's perfect today yet, but Otter provides one of the best accuracies in the world, which is actually confirmed by Zoom's uh, own benchmark testing system. The other part you mentioned, the voice recognition it can recognize each person's voice print. You know, when you talk versus when Sam talks, it's actually able to separate the two speakers based on a lot of features we look at, the frequency of your pronunciation and uh, the way you talk. So There's a lot of the features we're using to separate the speakers so that once you label about a minute of each person's speech, We create a voice print data structure in our system to remember that person's voice. Uh, Later on, when we hear the same person, we can identify that person. This is similar conceptually, similar to facial recognition. When you upload photo to Google Photo, for example, they can ask you, hey, who is this? You can say, this is Sean. they remember it. So next time they see the picture of the same person, they can guess, oh, this is Sean. So we do similar things with a voice so that in a meeting, you know, once you label the speaker, once it's able to identify the speeches from that speaker later on, which is actually extremely useful when you need to search who said some concerns about privacy, who talked about self driving cars. You can analyze the speeches from each speaker and you can identify the concerns from each speaker, the topics each person would like to talk about.
1: So analytics is another huge benefit. It sounds like a massive amount of computation power has to be used for this. What's stopping Microsoft or a huge corporation from competing with you in this realm? It's a
0: good question. That's a question every investor asks us. When we started it three years ago, people asked me, hey, isn't Alexa already doing that? Isn't Siri doing that? Isn't Google doing that? And why are you doing this again? Are you able to survive? It's true that a lot of players are doing speech recognition, but traditionally their focus was different. When you use Siri, Firstly, you need to say a hot word like, hey Siri, to wake up the robot. Then you ask a simple question like, what's the weather tomorrow? Or you issue a command like, set alarm at 3 p.m. It is a chatbot in the sense that a human being talks to a robot and the robot either answer a short question or execute a short command. This is actually not very natural for most Human being, in the last, I would say, you know, thousands of years, people talk to each other. They don't talk to robots because a robot didn't exist before. So it's very natural for people to talk to each other to have a natural conversation. For that use case, actually, nobody was focusing on that. When we started, we decided to focus on this case because that's what people spend most time talking to each other
1: rather than talking to robots.
0: So our technology is built ground up to focus on human to human conversation.
1: The data sets are that or what's different?
0: Data sets are different. You know, for Google, for example, for many years they focus on voice search. So their training data is mostly short search questions. So they do really well on that. You know, we don't want to compete with Google on that. However, if you look at the Google system, they're not actually focusing on the use case we are working on. They may have some people working on this, but Otter actually is the leader in this space at, at this moment. You know that's actually interesting. We actually have a, we know a lot of uh, people inside Google are using Otter. Actually, Zhang Doerr, who is a board member of Google for twenty years, he is using Otter himself. For some of his meetings, he even told his daughter to use Otter. So that's a huge endorsement
1: from a Google board member. Does that mean because you were able to carve out this niche for yourself that you have this huge moat around you that would take someone else a long time to catch up? Or is it because of the data you've collected for the last few years of people using your app that your data sets so much better than someone else's? What's stopping anyone else? I wouldn't say what would stop them. What just how fast they can move.
0: There a lot of algorithms are open, but there are a lot of a trade secrets. There's a lot of engineering trade off. A lot of, a lot of things you have to do. Even if you know the algorithm published in academia, you know you can get something right, but to get, you know, ninety five percent accuracy, it's very difficult. For us, we are we have a head start in this space because you know we started early ahead of most people. And we have this product released in the market. So when millions of people use it, they contribute more data to us. Of course, you know, everything is encrypted. The machine may crunch the data and learn from users' corrections as well. We allow users to correct errors in order. So every correction gives the machine more hint on how to transcribe more accurately. So we have this virtuous cycle: when more people use it, more feedback come to our engine, and the engine running, you know, our own algorithm to take advantage of that feedback to improve and fine tune the model to make it even more accurate. Now, so far, we have done near 10 million meetings already. So that's a huge amount of data. I don't know,
1: you know how many people have that quantity. A little bit ago, you had mentioned that when you first started the company, investors were telling you, why isn't Microsoft or Google compete and enter this market? How difficult was it to get initial funding for your company? What was that first year like?
0: It did take some time to convince people especially before you have the prototype ready, it's still a paperware rather than a product. For me, it's a little bit easier this time because I did a startup before. I had a good track record already. And also, I was lucky to have met a team Draper. I met him first back in 2010 when I was doing my first startup. Actually, I had a lot of trouble raising funding for that startup because, you know, I just quit Google. As an engineer, I had no business background and no track record. And when I told people that I was going to build this mobile startup, people got scared because they said, oh, you are working on location data. It's too creepy and it's intrusive. Nobody will use your system because they don't want to be tracked. Until actually I met Tim Draper when I showed him a demo, he got really excited. He said, wow, this is what I've been looking for for a long time. I, I want to create a life log for myself. I want to trace my own journey. He got you know, really interested, gave me a EIR position in DFJ, Entrepreneur in Residence. I wasn't paid. I had no salary there, but they gave me a really nice office there. When I started to work on Otter, I went to Tim. I told him about our ideas, and he said, "Yeah, okay, this is you know I want to take meeting notes automatically. There's no product on the market." He's very supportive. I really appreciate that. People know him as sort of a, a crazy person in some sense. You know, for myself, I have similar personality to do something crazy. He said, "You know, eventually." The you know, author can capture all the voice conversation in the world. My whole life could be recorded and searchable. Of course, I'm not going to publish everything on Facebook and Twitter, but just for
1: myself, I'd like to be able to search everything I heard. Before we started this interview, I'd asked you some of the use cases, and you had mentioned universities, and could you talk about that use case?
0: Lots of students from Berkeley, Stanford, students downloaded the app and use it in lectures they use it in for graduate students mostly for research meetings we also got a lot of emails and phone calls from department of accessibility from a lot of universities which we actually didn't anticipate when we started the company it turned out that for a school like UCLA they have hundreds of students who are either hard of hearing or they have some other learning differences that need the school to provide note-taking services. UCLA actually told us they spend more than $150,000 to hire note-takers for students who are in need. So when they discover Otter, they're really excited. They want to bring AI into education. They found the students again who are hard of hearing. They would be the first to benefit from this new technology.
1: And you've talked about AI quite a bit in this interview. Could you go in a little bit more detail of what AI means to you and that definition?
0: Right. This is a generic question. You know, what is AI? You know, artificial intelligence. It's sort of a misnomer in the sense that AI today. You know, 10 years from now, people won't consider it AI anymore because it's a solved problem. I think in the 90s, IBM Deep Blue beat the human chess master. At that time, people considered that as AI because that's the first time a machine could beat the human champion. But today, that's already taken for granted because everybody understands the algorithm already so they don't consider it AI anymore. So AI is, is an interesting term. It's only when an algorithm solves a mysterious problem that people consider it as AI. Of course, deep learning is a new framework that helps us a lot and help society in general. And with deep learning, we are able to create a speech recognition engine that's way more accurate than a few years ago. If you do this company five years ago, the accuracy wouldn't be good enough for usual use cases. There would be too many errors that people cannot tolerate. Today, we are able to achieve very high accuracy. Again, it's not
1: 100% perfect yet, but people found it usable. So you had said five years ago, with computation power at that time, it wouldn't be accurate enough. What do you see the future five years from now?
0: Five years from now, I think it will be near perfect. The reason is this. For any human being, the knowledge you have is limited. However, when you use this huge engine running in the cloud, potentially you can have millions or billions of machines working together. It is using the entire knowledge history of human being to understand every single sentence it hears. So potentially, it will be able to surpass. I don't know exactly when it will happen, but I'm very sure it will happen. Of course, the difficult part today we haven't solved is understanding. There's still a long way to go for machine to fully understand human speech because... The speeches are highly ambiguous. It's highly contextual. When you talk to a new person, how much do you understand that domain? How much do you understand that person's background? You know, moving forward, in the more people use, more background information the author will get. Then it will understand each speaker better. The reason is, I know this is Sean. The engine actually can look up your LinkedIn page can look up your Facebook page. It knows what you talk about recently. So when it hears certain words from you, it will match that with the background information and can guess better what you're talking about and can guess better what you want to say. So in the future, it could be scary. Even before you open your mouth, the machine can almost predict what
1: you're going to say based on your history. Everything that I've been typing on Facebook and LinkedIn all these years is going to be combined. And will all systems be able to have access to it? Will they be able to scrape this page and that page for the data, or will each site location really kind of clamp down on their data?
0: Yeah, privacy is a big topic today, right? You know, Facebook, some sort of trouble this day. You know, for us, it's. We provide this capability, but it's up to the user to control who he wants to share the information with. I see it as almost like your fitness app. You track my steps, track my a lot of vital data. It's not public. It's a safe for myself. I could share this with my doctor. Some of them, or all of them, the doctor can detect <laughs> cancer earlier for me. So that I can live a few more years. So the voice data is similar. The user has a full control. You know, what can be recorded, or what you know has to be erased, or what cannot be recorded. And after recorded, you know, what can be shared with his colleague, what can be shared with the public. As long as the user has a full control, I think this is a good thing. If the AI is good enough to listen to me and tell me the way you talk can be improved. You say too many you-knows, stop words, uh, uh, and all of that. So AI can help me improve my speaking. AI can improve my relationship with other people because it can tell me sometimes I respond to questions in the wrong way, get people annoyed in terms of coaching and mentoring. It's just too many benefits to to ignore. Of course, you always want to balance between privacy and data access, but I think it can be
1: reconciled. So with that data balance, in the future, say we're at a meeting for the first time, we're going to use otter.ai. Would I give Otter permission to scrape all my data from LinkedIn to kind of get a better idea of each word I'm saying? Or would it? be automatic because I have an Otter account. What does the future kind of look like for the engine behind Otter? Eventually, I think it will all be
0: done automatically. It takes a few years for people to, get, to use, get used to this type of situation. But if you look at the history, I firmly believe that this will happen. I don't know how many more years people will be fully comfortable. But if you look back 30 years ago, there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter. But today people are sharing so many things with each other. It's a more open society, actually. I, I see it as a good thing, although there there are some problems to solve, but you know, people understand each other better, right? Because of all you know, the social network. And more things are being recorded. Of course, you know, GDPR and all that, you have to control that. You have to the users are control. But I think people live a better life when more data is logged and analyzed. As I mentioned, right, the, it's almost like your health fitness app. When more data is logged and analyzed, the doctor can diagnose your problem, your health, help you improve your health better. The same, the same thing with the voice. It actually helps with your professional life. It helps with your mental life. By listening to the conversation, it can almost detect depression you're speaking less in the last week, something bad is happening, right? Your mood is not
1: good. What is your dream for Otter, for what it will become?
0: My dream is that it become pervasive, it become universal. I think eventually all the conversations can be captured, selectively shared, can be searched, can be analyzed. As I mentioned, what were the topics I talk about? What were the things other people told me? It helped me improve my own life. It helped corporations improve their productivity, improve their collaboration. There's actually a lot of studies that show that enterprises, people spend 30% or even 40% of their time in all kinds of meetings. It's a huge number. It's a huge investment. If suppose you pay somebody $100,000 a year, you were actually paying them $30,000 to go to meetings. Then you want to know how effective is that investment? You know, what's the return on that investment? Right? Are those meetings effective? Uh, did people generate the right decision? You know, did people
1: just waste their time talking about random things? Sam, is there anything that we didn't cover that you wish people at home knew about? You now anyone just I would encourage you to go ahead and
0: download Otter from Apple App Store, Google Play, or use it on your laptop by going to Otter.ai, just sign up, you know, give it a try. And, you know, use it and send us some feedback. You know, we'd love to hear from our users and how we should improve.
1: Great. So we will have those links in the show notes. And I also want to thank Rick Kwan, who actually made the introduction. To Sam Leong that was what facilitated this whole interview. And he has an amazing documentary out there on Ed Lee. So Sam, thank you again for your time today, and we look forward to having you back on the show in the future. Thank you, Sean. I really enjoy this. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to TIP. To access our show notes, courses, or forums, go to the investorspodcast.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by the Investors Podcast Network. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.